0: Here we are at the end of Passover. We've passed through the Sea of Reeds. We've passed through this week, eating matzah every day. We've tasted tears, bitterness, and the mortar used for building the pyramids by the Jews who were slaves. But we also had sprigs, we also tasted sprigs of hope, signs of life parsley and egg And here we are here we are on the 8th day. And yesterday we passed through the the sea. Today we're entering the wilderness. We've been counting since the 2nd day of Passover <laughs> towards Revelation, 49 days. The Omer, the Sheaf of Barley, literally the Sheaf of Barley, that connects two pilgrimage festivals, Passover and Shavuos. The rabbis tied these two festivals together with, and they made it, about the harvest there are two harvests the early harvest which is now and then the late harvest so the barley harvest around Passover time and the wheat harvest at Shavuos and the rabbis tied these together and said they had this whole argument and they said it was the same date the same time that Moses received revelation on Mount Sinai was when Shavuos happened and that's what we're counting towards right now So we're in a time of anxiety, but also hope. Are the crops gonna come through? Are we gonna have enough food to eat? And we're also hoping and praying that that will be true. And we're also thinking about revelation. So in learning how to write a, a divar, they tell you, ask a lot of questions, read it, and you go, What is what what comes what pops out for me when I'm reading it? What do I see here? What do I notice? And ask yourself questions. So but the first question I asked was, why this reading? This is not about Passover, and yet it is. So it's in it's in Re and that was one of my questions. Re see. It means to see. And this Harsha talks about the three festivals. And I thought, well, okay, that's a good reason, right? Three festivals. But I also thought, that's kind of a boring reason. There's got to be more to this. You know, we don't want to just read it just for that, right? But we're on a pilgrimage. So there must be more to it. So let's see together. Let's look for that deeper meaning. On page 1075. We, we start this. V'achalta at the top, um, Pasuk 23, at the top of 1075. Does everyone have their books open to that? I'll see it. Okay. V'achalta lifnei Adonai lohecha b'makom asher yivchar the shakein shemo sham. You shall con- um, you shall set aside, first it starts with, you shall set aside a year, every year a tenth part of all the yield of your sowing that is brought to the field. We've made this pilgrimage, and now you're supposed to consume it in front of God, before God. And I thought, what does that mean? This place that God has established Himself, isn't God everywhere? What does that mean to sit before God and eat? And then I kept reading, and then it goes on to say, "You're going to consume the tides of your grain and your oil, and the herds of your flocks." And again, it says, at the end of the verse, at the end of 23. Uh, sorry. And leman tilmod liyirah. It's Adonai Elohecha kol hayamim. In this way, you're going to learn how to revere your God. And it goes on and says and if you're fortunate enough to have, had to have so much to bring that you can't carry it all this way because you're too far from Jerusalem, you're too far from the temple, then you can exchange it for money, wrap up the money, and then when you're there, you buy whatever you want. You can use it for whatever you want so that you can rejoice. And at the end, and so the next one is 26. At the bottom of the page, again it says, and we turn the page. And you will eat again. It, again, it, it repeats it again. You'll eat in the presence of the Lord your God. And now it adds, you will rejoice. And then suddenly it switches to, in Pasuk 27, it goes to the Levite. And it says, do not neglect the Levite who is in your community. Bisharecha, because the Levite has no hereditary portion as you have. And then again in 29, the Levite who has no hereditary portion as you have and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow in your settlements shall come and eat their fill so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the enterprises you undertake. Everything that you do with your hands, you will be blessed. So I was thinking, what is the connection here? Why these two things? Why are they connected? Whenever you see things repeated and then the connections, you ask questions. That's the Jewish tradition, right? We ask a lot of questions. We're supposed to ask. Gotta keep asking. They can't <laughs> shut us up. <laughs> keep asking. <laughs> so here were my questions. What does it mean to eat in God's presence? Before God, in front of God, lifnei Adonai? Why the Levite? What is the eating rejoicing in God's presence have to do have to why is it connected with these marginalized people and taking care of them. In one of the commentaries that I read, and I, you know how these things go, you're reading through lots of commentary and you're like, oh, that's really cool, And then, and then you can't find it again. <laughs> so I can't tell you who said it, but it was one of the rabbis who said, you are eating at, it's as if you are eating at God's table. And I was like, wow, what does that mean to eat at God's table? So here were some answers that I came up with To eat before God, to eat at God's table, is to be up close and personal. The Levite helps us to pray. The Levite is the one who sings and makes music in the temple. It's our chazan and our singing that helps us to connect with God in a spiritual sense. We need the Levite. So we need to take care of him. In those times it was him, right? And then also... By transitioning right away to taking care of these people, the marginalized, the Torah is saying that there must be a connection between our prayer and the people in our community who are in need. It stresses, in your house, your house will rejoice and your community. So I think a lot about prayer. And I think a lot about what our role is, what my role is in the world, in terms of community, in terms of our world community, because we live in a much... much, sorry, Our community is much bigger than it used to be. We, have, we are connected with everyone around the world. We know things that are happening in Sri Lanka. We know things that are happening across the world. And we carry these things with us. And what is our responsibility? And yet, we can really only reach on a personal level face to face those who we pass on the street those who we see in our synagogue those who we come into contact with in the supermarket in the subway so for me we need both prayer and community people and the Torah is telling us that people matter equally to our prayer there is no separation to praise God means to praise people to praise people means to praise God sitting before God is sitting before people sitting before people is sitting before God learning to love God as the Torah is telling us so that you will learn to love the Lord your God learning to love God means learning to love people. It's easy to walk around. There are these beautiful blossoms. Everything's in bloom. It's easy to walk around and go, oh, there's God in these trees that are blooming and the the it's just so gorgeous, right? There's God, here's God, there's God in this beauty. It's really hard to see God in the subway. And yet we need both. So seeing God our parsha is called re'e, See, we are going to be seen by God, and for God, and to see God, both. We live with an illusion of separateness, and we're not. We're all connected. We are all. God is within all of us, and through all of us. So as we make our way through the wilderness in the next six weeks now we have, in our countdown to Revelation, to Sinai, to Shavuos, what is your wilderness? Your personal wilderness? Is it a problem with family, with a job? Maybe no job? Maybe not enough money? Maybe illness? Maybe you yourself are struggling with illness or someone you love is struggling with illness? Maybe it's the violence in the world. We all carry that, right? The hatred, the political arena, climate disaster. That's a personal one for me. I carry that, my husband makes fun of me time. He's like, you gotta stop thinking about that. I can't. The weather is so crazy, how can I stop? And what's at the root of all of this is fear. So how will we see our way through it? How will we see our way through it? My challenge to you, my invitation, is to take on two new kinds of spiritual practice. One, in the religious category. It doesn't matter what faith tradition you come from. It doesn't matter how but to make a commitment to take on some new religious practice. That's a very loaded word, I know. Maybe learn a new prayer. Maybe wear a yarmulke. This is a challenge for me, wearing a yarmulke on the street. It's not easy, as a woman especially. But it connects me with people, other people who cover their heads. And it cuts, connects me with God. Um, maybe learn a new prayer. Maybe if you never wear a tallis, wear a tallis. If you don't own a tallis, maybe get one. And see what it's like for the next six weeks to wear one at home. Maybe when you're in shul to cover your head with your talus, If you've never done that, that's embarrassing, right? It's kind of weird. <laughs> People don't do that. Maybe gather your seat together when it's time for the Shema. See what that feels like. Maybe try in. That's one type. So, pick, take your pick. You can make up your own. The other kind of spiritual practice is, has to do with community and our world community and a way of connecting with other people. So, for instance, A spiritual practice can be walking down the street and you see somebody who looks kind of scary. They're dressed in a way that signals something. They walk in a way that signals something. Maybe it's the color of their skin. Who knows? We all carry prejudice inside of us. We're brought up with it. We can't help it. It's just there. But we can try to overcome it. So I want to challenge you, perhaps, to take on the practice of looking into other people's eyes who might be frightening to you. And see what you see. See what you see. Maybe you'll see God. Maybe you'll see kindness. Maybe you'll say, oh my god, I was so wrong about that person. I see a heart inside. Maybe there's a homeless person that you pass every day on the street, right in front of your building. Maybe you give them money, maybe you don't. If you do, and they seem like a coherent person, maybe stop and ask them, hey, what's your story? Why are you living on the street? That could be a practice. Or coming to meet the other people at the mosque on Fridays. There's a, our community is trying to build up a bunch of people who meet at mosque on the upper west side in solidarity with Muslims. There's also strangers no more coming to church, our church, so that the people here will be strangers no more to us. When we begin counting the Omer, there's a prayer that we say. The Shem Yechud Kutsha, for the sake of unification. Because this is how we will pass through this, together and with God. Together and with God. If you would like to take on this challenge for the next six weeks, then this Aliyah is for you. If you normally come up for an Aliyah, and that's always your practice, I want to invite you to stay in your seat and stand where you are and see how that feels. Maybe stand somebody next to someone you never stand next to and somehow connect with that person. If you feel...